and welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me in Genesis chapter 28, and today let's talk about climbing Jacob's ladder. Praise the Lord. Let's open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word, that your Holy Spirit would bring illumination of the scriptures, and that we can take this understanding of your word and apply it to our lives today. Thank you, Father, for the mighty work of your spirit, causing your word to be alive. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agree and say, Amen. Genesis 28, verse 10, we have the story of Jacob and the ladder reaching from earth to heaven. Verse 10, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Praise God. Well, after a dramatic event like that, let's just rename the whole city. Praise the Lord. I think it was a good idea. And I, of course, God's in it. And, you know, when you own the land, you can call it whatever you want to. <laughs> And you can name the city if the city belongs to you and your descendants. And so he certainly had the, uh, the right to do that. Now, here's the thing. When we get into this situation with this ladder and the ladder going up right in the area where that stone was. Now, let's just go ahead and knock over uh, to some what might be a sacred cow just for a moment. There are those who incorrectly teach that the stone that he used as a pillow um, must have been kind of a rough pillow, but nevertheless, if you're out in the desert, you do what you have to do. Um, some teach that this is called the stone of destiny, or some call it the stone of scone. And uh, they, uh, certain teachers who are incorrect say that this stone has been passed down through the centuries and that this is the same stone that's used in the coronation or the crowning of the successive kings and queens of England. Well, that's just a bunch of total baloney. That's not the same stone. Uh, Jacob set it up over there in the Holy Land as a, uh, as a monument, and uh, somewhere out there, it's probably still there today. I don't, uh, you know, don't know where it is, or it's not really important what happened to the stone. Uh, but I can guarantee you one thing, the, the kings and the queens of, of England have not been sitting on it. Really, when you get into that type of teaching, what you're looking at is replacement theology. And that became a very popular teaching decades back that basically, uh, it was a false teaching saying, that one of the tribes immigrated to what we now know as modern-day Britain. And that tribe, uh, you know, settled there 
And, you know, yet another tribe go over to Ireland and all these theories about where the 10 lost tribes went. Well, they're, they're not really lost. They've never been lost. Uh, even in the day of Jesus, when he was, uh, you know, being presented there at the temple, you had the old lady Anna, who was of a great age. And it says of the tribe of Asher, oh, Pastor Stephen, the 10 tribes, they're all lost. Well, obviously not. Uh, they knew what, uh, you know, she knew where she was descended from. So <laughs> it is true that the Jews have been dispersed into all of the world, but uh, they're really good record keepers and they have the most unique cultural identity that makes it very hard to get lost in the crowd. So we know that this was really just a ploy of replacement theology, really the same ones that teach that Israel has been replaced, and Britain is the Israel, and America is Israel. Uh, th no, that's not correct. <laughs> that is a replacement theology that would try to say Israel, the natural land, and the natural Jews no longer have any covenant or any inheritance, and that's incorrect. They still are entitled to that land. That land belongs to them. God gave it to Abraham. God confirmed it also to his son Isaac, and God confirmed it again here to uh, the grandson, to Jacob, uh, whose name was changed to Israel, that the land is named after, that this land forever belongs to you and your, your seed, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So my friends, uh, it's good to know, uh, to know that. All right. So we have there in this special area, a ladder going up. And I believe that this ladder, of course, with the Lord standing at the top of it, angels going up and down and so forth. This is the ladder of conformity into the image of Jesus who's standing at the very, very top. And Jacob really was taken through quite a process of being changed. Now, he was never changed in the sense as we know it through the born-again experience or sometimes uh, the word used by Paul, regeneration. Because when you're saved, you're completely uh, born again on the inside. It's not like... Uh, you had some kind of like religious experience. No, you, you literally passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. And now the life of God as a believer is living on the inside of you. So uh, the kingdom of God is within you. And it is a, uh, a complete recreation of your spirit on the inside. So Jacob was never born again, but he did have a process where the Lord was really working with his character. Uh, you know, the name Jacob meaning uh, supplanter, uh, deceiver. You could even go so far as to say that it would be over in the category, uh, category of swindler or con man. So, uh, uh, you know, he uh, had a lot of dealings uh, in order to get that exposed to him. One of the main things the Lord used was Laban. And uh, Jacob met his match with Laban. Uh, it's interesting, you know. I, uh, I, I let me see if I can cloak this the best that I can. I know a businessman, Christian businessman, lived in the community here. Doesn't live here anymore. Uh, spirit filled. Oh, Pastor Stephen, could he speak in tongues? Oh, yes, he sure could. Uh, he could even prophesy to you also. And don't be surprised if the prophecy was accurate. So he could uh, uh, operate in the gifts of the Spirit, just like the church in Corinth could, and yet the Christians in Corinth were extremely carnal. So uh, uh, he, had, he had some carnality issues. One of those as it would be that as a businessman, he swindled many people. Now, as a, as a Christian man of God, I could, I could be around him at times because he was in the community and stuff like that, and I could get along with him fine, because I could see that he was a lot like Jacob. He had this uh, desire to want to swindle people for financial gain uh, and for, you know, his financial betterment. 
Uh, and if it, it hurt somebody else, he didn't really care. You know, uh, the old saying that some people could rob or, or, you know, commit theft against their own mother and they wouldn't care. Well, I don't know if he was that bad, but uh, I, I know that he did not have a good track record in the community. And uh, I can't really remember why, but one day I, I went to a store with him. And uh, just going to the store with him, several people came up to him and expressed their great displeasure towards him for having ripped off financially somebody that they knew, like a relative they knew, and talked about how bad it, uh, how bad that hurt them financially, and they haven't recovered or anything like that. And he would just like, you know, I, it, it just didn't phase him one bit. He he didn't care. Didn't matter what happened, and um, you know, so it wasn't like I was around him a lot. I would just see him every now and then, uh, you know, because Moravian Falls. It's not like this is a big area, you know. It's not like there's millions of people here. Uh, There's probably more deer than there are people. Nevertheless, um, I saw him one day at the post office. Uh, Remember, this is a small post office. The post office is actually just right out here outside of the the studio. And, uh, it, but it's a very busy post office because it's kind of like the hub of the area along with, you know, our, our facility here. It's, this is right in the center of the identity of what Moravian Falls is. But I saw him at the post office one day and he looked wiped out. He looked, he looked pale. He looked weak. He looked, uh, defeated. And I, I kind of low profile. I said, brother, I said, what's wrong? He said, oh, he said, oh, Stephen, he said, I got involved with this business venture with this man in a different state, and he made all these promises to me. Sounded like just like what he had done to others. He made all these promises to me, and I put all of my money into this, uh, you know, fail-proof investment deal with him. And he said, Stephen, he took off with all the money, and he took my entire savings Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll go a little bit further. He said, we had saved up, my wife and I, this amount of money. We were going to build our dream home. He told me how much it was. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you, you could build a dream home with it. Keep in mind that all of this money that he has, quote, saved up is money that he has ripped off from innocent people. And he's taken that money and he has piled it up and he took all of it. And he and, and this swindler outswindled him, and he he said, uh, Stephen, he said, my wife doesn't know that I invested all of our savings into this, you know, fail-proof deal. So not only am I penniless, but my wife doesn't know it, and she's like up there, you know, uh, looking at dream home plans for the dream home we're going to build, and there's not going to be any dream home. So uh, uh, see. What is the purpose of the ladder? Go up the ladder. Go up and be conformed into the, into the image of Christ. He's standing at the top of the ladder. And we see really in the writings of Paul that the preeminent book that he wrote would be the first one presented by him would be the book of Romans. And Romans can get kind of thick at times when you're reading it. When I mean thick, I mean it's almost, it's almost like you're reading a legal document because you not only see the genius of Paul, yes, it's, you, you, it's the Holy Spirit inspired working through a man, but he's, the Holy Spirit is working through a brilliant man who has a brilliant mind, and the book is uh, it's just phenomenal. And it's, it's, the, it's the deepest book that Paul wrote. But we can see in Romans chapter 8, let me just share this with you just for a moment, uh, Romans 8, verse 29, really what this great work is all about. Now, it was different for Jacob, of course, being under the old covenant before the blood of Christ was ever shed, but you still saw God working with people to try to change their character where they overcame fatal flaws that if they were not overcome, it would have meant that destiny would not have lined up the way that God wanted it to. So that's why Jacob had that all-night wrestling match with the angel so that he could be changed. And the Lord is working on changing us as well. It's very, very important. It is so important that the Lord will even defer other blessings for the sake of getting the greater work accomplished. It doesn't mean he won't bless you. 
It just means that his highest priority is to mold you into the image of his son, and that will take precedent over any desire, any blessing, any wish, any personal dream or ambition or goal that we might have, because God has uh, the great purpose for us of conformity. Uh, verse 29, for whom he, God, foreknew, and of course he foreknew all of us, before we were even saved. He knew that we would be saved, okay? So for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, preplanned to be conformed to the image of his son. So God wants that conformity to be there, and the Lord is standing at the top of the ladder, and uh, we're being changed every day more and more into the image of God's dear son. So the lighter that you are in spirit. I'm not talking about your physical weight, but the lighter that you are in your spirit, the easier it is to climb. Mm -hmm. Just like it is in the natural, praise God. Uh, you, you know, in, in the natural, if you are carrying extra heavy loads, it's more difficult. Sometimes you have to, if you're going certain areas for extended hikes, you have to carry food, sleeping bags, stuff like that. But uh, you personally want to be light and fit and in shape, and it's easier that way uh, to go up, praise God. And there is a streamlining of your life and of your purpose to serve the Lord so that you're not burdened with all kinds of things so that you're just struggling to get up the ladder or you're standing on the first rung of the ladder and, you know, a whole decade goes by and you haven't gone any higher. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. And yes, there can be amazing things that can move you along quickly, uh, visions and uh, visitations from the Lord or a visitation from an angel. These things can uh, certainly inspire you to say, "Woo, I'm going to get moving, praise the Lord. But we also need to know that just like Jacob, there is the inner working that God does to uh, bring us to a point where we react and we behave like Jesus would if Jesus were in our shoes. Praise the Lord. So that's very, very important. And it's something that God worked in Jacob. He works in us. Praise God. Uh, little side note, the businessman, I believe he's doing good today. I believe that after he had his Laban experience and he met a Laban who was uh, a greater cheat than he was, <laughs> I believe it opened his eyes to what he had been doing to others, and he had to make a change. Sometimes to make a change, you need a fresh start, and it's good to move perhaps to a different location, and uh, that's totally fine. The Lord understands that, and oftentimes it can be the Lord who initiates that move, praise God, because you need to get uh, just get a, a fresh beginning, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, your speed of going up this ladder. It's a spiritual ladder. It's not physical, of course. Um, going up this spiritual ladder, your speed is increased by, whew, it's, I'll be honest, it's not easy, but your speed is increased by selflessness. Let me read this to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that would be the great chapter on love, which the Apostle Paul also wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Now, I want to dig in on one thing. It says that love does not seek its own. A better way of saying that in many other translations, I'm reading from the New King James Version, many other translations say it a little more clearly by expressing it as love does not insist on its own way. My friends, that's big. That's, that's gigantic when it comes to moving up the ladder consistently, smoothly, constantly making gains. Uh, walking with the Lord, enjoying your walk with the Lord, enjoying your life. So much of that can revolve around uh, the fact that love does not insist on its own way. And I want to share something that will help you with this from the Gospel of Mark as we are greatly interested in going up this ladder. Praise the Lord. Jacob's ladder. Mm 
walking with the Lord, having supernatural dreams, and very importantly, understanding what they mean. Thank you, Lord. About, about 95% of all dreams that you will ever have are symbolic in nature. There can be some that are literal, but most of them are going to be prophetic. They're going to be symbolic. Maybe we could use the word metaphorical. They are word pictures. So that's why it's possible to have a dream that could seem to be quite disturbing or unsettling. Maybe you think, oh, that was a terrible dream. But in reality, it could be a really good dream because God is conveying a truth to you. So you can't take the dream literal. You have to be uh, a person that can look at it spiritually and say, Lord, what were you saying through that? And remember, it's symbolic. And when you understand the meaning expressed through uh, the interpretation of the symbols, you can see, oh, that's, that's actually something good that God was saying to me. All right, now... Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Let's get ready to go higher up Jacob's ladder today. Then Peter began to say to him, oh, let me just say, I'm so glad that Peter was expressive and says what everybody else was thinking, but the others were afraid to say it. <laughs> I like that about Peter. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Mm -mm. So Peter's wanting to know, really, in a nutshell, hey, Lord, we, we left everything. We left our businesses. We left everything for you. So what's, what's really in it for us? Now, it says in verse 29, so Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters Let's just stop for a moment. How about house? There is no one who has left house. Can I be honest with you as a minister? There are some people that if the Lord appeared to them in a vision and told them, I need you to go to another state or to another country to run an errand for me or to deliver a message for me, there are some who are so attached to their house and their comfort and their routine that they have to have every day that should even Jesus, the head of the church, ask them to leave their house. There are some, I've met them, that wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. Mm -mm. Some of you have read uh, my books, and in one of my books I talked about a, uh, a man that was destined for greatness, that was very close friends with, the, at that time, the greatest prophet in the world. And uh, even the prophet one day stopped and looked at him and said, you know what, you're, you're supposed to be doing exactly what I'm doing. He's like, I know, I know, I know. And uh, um, so this man called to be a prophet even told me one time, he told me face to face, that Jesus had appeared to him in a vision and had asked him to lay aside his career that, you know, that he had going on, which was, uh, had a lot of money in it and come over here and serve me. And the Lord said, I'm calling you as a prophet. Uh, I want you to be one of my prophets. And you know what he told the Lord? He said, no. And I said, uh, I said, um, what did the Lord, how did he respond when you, when you told him no? He said, well, he didn't like it. He, he said, the Lord said, so you are refusing my gift. He said yes, and he had to, he of course hung his head in shame when he did it. But see, the Lord won't force you. You you can miss it. Now you're not going to. You're going to get it right. But this thing of attachment, this thing of like, I've got my rights. Well, you do. You do have certain rights. But just because you have certain rights doesn't mean that you should insist on exercising them. Or, you know, I've got my rights, and so no matter what, I, you know, you know, you know, there's a place where because of the love of God and your desire to please the Lord, you just lay it down. You lay it down. Why? So you can go up the ladder light and, and, and free and speedily. 
and not tied down to all the things of the world. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, did that man ever step into the office of the prophet? Nope, never did. Never did. He's, he's old now, and it's, you know, it's, uh, not, uh, not enough time left now. He'll be with the Lord soon in heaven. He's very old now. But uh, my friends, to leave house, to leave your house, there are some people, they would never leave their house. But if the Lord wants you to leave your house, if you want to go up the ladder, you better start locking your house up, get ready to take your trip. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some people, they get real, real excited about going to a hotel. <laughs> and it, it is fun. You know, it's always fun to take a little trip. But I've been in so many hotels and I've been in so many places that while it's not that I don't enjoy it, it's just that, you know, it's not like, hey, the hotel's going to be any better than my house. I mean, I've got a really nice bed that I sleep on. I like my bed. Uh, there's not like there's many hotels out there that are going to outdo the bed that I have that's comfortable and nice and soft. And, you know, I've got the pillow that I like at home. I can't travel with my pillow. I mean, what am I going to do? They take my pillow on the plane. They're going to think I'm a little five-year-old kid. So you just leave all of that. Just lock it up and go. When my wife and I started out in ministry full-time, we traveled in a motor home and we took all of our possessions and we locked them up in a storage facility and, you know, put the bolt, the, the, the lock on, on the storage facility and drove away, having no idea that we would never see that stuff for three years. I remember three years later when we uh, were not traveling, uh, we were still traveling a lot, but the motorhome was just too slow. We had to move to the, uh, you know, flying. We did a lot more flying. But uh, when we opened that storage unit up and started moving things out into our house, we were just like, wow, I forgot we even had this. And of course, when you forget that you even have it, you, you certainly don't even really need it. But to be able to walk away from your home, should the Lord ask you to do that? After all, that's what the 12 apostles did. You know, that, that's how you go up the ladder. Mm -hmm. Well, Pastor Stephen, I thought you went up through prayer. The, the story of, of Jacob's ladder is about prayer. Well, yeah, it is about prayer, but you can pray all you want. And if you're not obeying, um, you know, sacrifice is good, but the Lord really is looking for obedience. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I'll, uh, uh, I'll send an offering. Well, that's good. That's good to send that offering. Um, but what if that's not what God asked you to do? What if he asked you to do something else? So uh, the sacrifice is nice. Um, I'll never forget the time I was in a meeting and the Holy Spirit told a man in the meeting to bless me in a certain way. And so he got up and walked over to me while I was preaching. The Holy Spirit told him to do it while I was preaching. He walked over to me and gave me a bunch of money. And I, I just took it, stuck it in, in my, uh, uh, actually, I just finished preaching. So I was sitting down. So, um, so I just took, I took the money and put it in my pocket. He walks back and sits down. When he sat back down, because I asked him about all this later. When he sat back down, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I did not tell you to give him money. I told you to do this for him. So now, so now he's out of his money. He <laughs> should have just done what God told him to do in the first place, and then he could have kept his money. But he was just trying to like get God off of his back. I mean, literally, because the, the, the Lord wasn't letting up. Now, eventually, if he'd have been real stubborn and disobeyed, God could have either had bypassed him and worked through somebody else who would have been obedient, or the guy could have fallen dead there in the meeting. And there have been people that that has happened to who God really insisted that they do something. And um, uh, a true story of, of one prophet who was in a meeting with an older prophet, and he told he told this story. And the, this older prophet uh, was ministering under the anointing and looked at one man and said, you're supposed to give $500 in the offering. And that man said, you're never going to get any of my money. And the, man, and the prophet said, well, you just keep it with you as you perish. And he died right there. The man instantly died in front of the whole church. And so um, 
you know, don't relegate these things to the Old Testament. Uh, you know, Ananias and Sapphira are very much in the New Testament. And these things still happen throughout church history when there's a strong glory. And so we have to be ready for stuff like this. You can't goof off in the anointing when the glory's there. Uh, it's a total different field. Uh, it's a field, it, it's a playing field that the enemy cannot compete on. There's, there's no, there is no form of entertainment in the world that can touch anything near of what the glory is. And the enemy knows that, which is why that's the greatest thing he fears is a, is a move of God where the glory begins to break out. But it's too late. It's already, it's already, it's already beginning. The rays of light are beginning to break out and the miracles and all of that. It's just all going to break. It's all going to happen. So we really need to be people that are moving in God's direction towards his heart and not uh, grasping and trying to hold on to our own ways when those old ways are already passing off the scene anyhow. Mm -mm. Time to get into the new wineskin. Let the old go. Become the new you that God wants you to be. Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother. Let's pause for a moment. Here in North Carolina, uh, we live in more of a rural area. We do have cities such as Raleigh and Charlotte, we, you know, big cities. And um, uh, it, it's the same throughout the South that in the rural areas, there's a sweetness that you don't, uh, you can sense it in some cities, uh, in, in the cities up, up north, you don't sense it at all. But even in, in the southern cities, you can sense it. But if you get out in the rural areas, it's much stronger. It's a sweetness. And people are nice. They, they'll wave to you. They would help you if your car broke down and you're a total stranger. They would help you. They would do things to help you. Um, it's not surprising at all if they gave you money to help you. And, and if they never saw you again, that's totally fine. Because most of these people are good people that fear God and love God. And they, they, uh, want, to, they want to honor the Lord in the lives that they live. But I will say this with some. If... If you tried to get them away from the family ties that they have, it's almost impossible. Now, in, in the New Testament, right around the Lord's time, uh, the theologians call this familiism. It's actually a type of worship of the family structure. And while we honor and love the, the structure of family that God created, uh, this thing of like, Hey, you know, I can't break free from mom and dad, you know, and there are some people in, in the, in the rural areas of the South where, you know, uh, daddy gave me this land and, uh, this is where I'm living and I'm never moving for anything because I like living next to mom and dad and they do. And they'll, they'll not leave that property that they, they, they have no desire to travel. They have no desire to go to a Christian conference that would maybe be in another state. They are so knitted to that land and to that family that, um, have you ever seen that in like a, in like a small church, you know, this is where my grandmother went to church and this is where my parents went to church and this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going to raise my kids at. I don't ever want to go anywhere else or hear anything else. And, uh, and what will happen is you just live in a tunnel vision and you never experience the, uh, the color and the flavor and the spice that God has, uh, through living a life that's opened up to him where you are a vessel that he can use. Because there are some, they'll, they won't leave family for anything, for anything. Um, true story. I had a lady, uh, she was divorced. Uh, wait, wait a minute. No, that was somebody else. This lady was married, but her husband did not come. This lady came to visit our church when we were having, you know, like a, what you would call a physical church service. Now we're all on the internet. So, uh, we were having physical church services here. And so this lady, she comes with her two kids. And, uh, you know, I could, I could tell she enjoyed the meeting and stuff like that, but she didn't say much. But uh, afterwards, my daughter went out to lunch with her and the two kids because they were the same age. And uh, my daughter told me later what this lady actually thought about our church service. When she was sitting, this lady, who's probably about 50 years old, when she was having lunch with her two kids and my daughter, my daughter said that the lady said, 
my God, that was wild. That was crazy. And my daughter said to her, what was crazy? She said, God was in your building. And, and my daughter said, well, like, what do you mean? The lady said, I've never been in a service or a meeting like that ever. God was there. The, the whole place was full of God. And my daughter said, well, that's, that's normal here. That's, it's like that all the time here. She said, my God, that's the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life before. And uh, she had come here and sat in the service and just was hit by the glory of God. Oh, Pastor Stephen, she must have been back next Sunday to join the church and uh, to, to bring all of her friends. Uh oh, no, we never saw her again. Why? She belongs to another church where all of her family goes to, and she's not leaving that for anything. Even if all of the angels and Michael, the archangel and Gabriel, the messenger angel, even if they all showed up here and, uh, and, uh, and every angel showed up here, she's not leaving that church for anything. Mm -mm. She only came over here for once in a blue moon to get out of her circle to come because of her kids uh, knew my daughter and they were friends and she so that she came over here because of them. But that was once and done. Even if God shows up, she's not coming back. And he did show up and she, she's not, and he's, you know, his presence is, is still here. People walk in and they're like, wow, wow. And uh, so the, the Lord is good. But my friends, I'm just saying that uh, if you want to go up the ladder, you've got to be open to the Lord. Uh, you, you can't climb this ladder all heavy and not into the things of God. No, no. You have to be spiritual. Praise God. Uh, surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife, mm, well, let, let's just keep digging deeper. If you want to go up the ladder, praise the Lord. How about that one? Um, by the way, this is not a corporate ladder. It doesn't work like it does in the secular world where we understand those principles and you want success and you want promotion and all of that stuff is good. But uh, this is a different type of ladder because this is the only ladder that you climb, whereas you follow the kingdom principles of going up, and in the natural, you could think, uh-oh, I just told the truth, so because of that, I'm not going to get promoted. Well, maybe because you did the right thing, it could have appeared that you stalled or maybe even went backwards, but, but it's going to pay off the right way. It's going to pay off the right way because if you ever compromise, when you get to the top, they'll own you and the, the enemy will come collecting on that, and you'll never have peace. Uh, so live, live authentic Christianity. Live clean. Live pure. It's not a setback. It's just, it's just the conformity into the image of the Lord's Son. And even if it did delay a blessing, trust me, the conformity is a greater priority on God's heart than any type of blessing, because he can bless you he can bless you when you're, when you're asleep. You could be sleeping and wake up. He can get it to you anyway, anyhow. If God ever wants to touch you with a blessing, uh, he is not limited by anything. Mm -mm. He can get it to you. But this, this area of going up the ladder, this is different. These are things that we really have to um, push ourselves to be spiritual and not get lethargic and just be weighed down with all the cares of the world, and uh, there's no conforming going on or anything like that. Praise God. Well, Jesus also mentions wife. Well, Peter's listening. The, the, uh, the apostles are listening. I, I believe that all of them were married. Now, it was considered to be unmarried uh, after the age of 20 as a Jewish man, it was considered to be not good unless you had like a unique prophetic calling or something like that, and then they would respect that. So Peter obviously was married because Jesus healed his wife's uh, mother. So uh, Peter had a mother-in-law. Well, that means he had a wife. So Jesus is now talking about having to leave your wife. Well, when Jesus called these men, 
he called them to follow him, and that meant he's on the move. He has an itinerant ministry, and he is going all over Jerusalem, sometime for extended stays. Now, there is provision and money flowing in to the Lord's ministry, and the Lord is supporting those who are traveling with him full time. And those men, I'm sure they have ways to get that money back to their wives so that their wives and their children are taken care of. But nevertheless, Peter and the others, for these times when they would have to travel on these excursions, have to say, wife, I love you. Uh, I'll see you when this when this trip is over. Not, I'm back. I'll see you then. Not quite sure when it'll be over with because, you know, he really moves with the Spirit. But I'll be back soon. And it, you just have to say goodbye. Well, Pastor Stephen, I've got my rights. I, I, I ain't going anywhere unless she's going with me. Well, you, you do have your rights. You do have certain things that you should be able to look forward to and enjoy. But I'm just saying if you want to go up the ladder, there will be times when love According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, love does not insist on its own way. And although you might prefer to do something a certain way, there may be things in there that, that are disrupting that, uh, that are beyond your control, and you just have to walk with the Lord and trust God, that God will make it up and he'll make it twice as sweet when you get back together again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, you, you see over in the book of Acts chapter 10, there's Peter in Joppa, and uh, he's, uh, he's going to do ministry over there. Well, where's his wife? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's there. Maybe she's not. Uh, didn't seem like to me that, that she was. So he's obviously on another journey, another apostolic adventure. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'd never do that. Well, you wouldn't prefer to do it, but sometimes this, this kingdom work has its ways of really pressing us into a conformity into the image of Jesus. And if you want to go up the ladder, you need to go with that flow. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think about the, the ministry of prophet Kenneth E. Hagin, who is now in heaven, lived his life out, and his wife lived her life out, and she's in heaven with him now too. But, um, you know, Kenneth Hagin said that there were times when he would have to leave his wife and children to go out on the, the traveling field, you know, because he was going from church to church all over the country. He said sometimes after he would come home and spend time with his family, he said it would be so hard to get in that car and drive away because sometimes when he drove away, he'd be gone for uh, not, not just several weeks, but several months so he might not be back for three months or four months. And he said when he would get in that car and start driving away, he would weep and cry because he would love his children and he loved his wife. Now, he would always send money back to them so that they're uh, taken care of. But that's hard. That's very difficult. Matter of fact, one day, Aretha Hagen, she told this story that she was at home and her husband, Kenneth, is out on the field traveling. He's, you know, he's an established prophet, and he's ministering. And she said, Lord, I just, she said, this is just too hard having him gone. I miss him. I love him so much. This is just too hard. This is not right. And the Lord spoke to her in a, in a voice that she heard the voice and said, well, you know, if, if this is too hard and if you're insisting on your own way, I can just take him home. Woo! <laughs> I mean, uh, he had had so many close calls with death, uh, with, you know, uh, unusual experiences in his life. But the Lord was saying, hey, you know, th this is part of the ministry. And if you're going to insist on all of this and I, and I can't use him and you're just, you're, you're going to demand your rights, then, you know, he could just, he could just come on home then. Because if he's not going to preach, then, why are we even doing all of this? So anyhow, she heard the Lord say that. I can, I can take him home. I can take him home. So she realized the Lord meant business. And so she, this was just something that they both had to face and deal with, that when there's a traveling ministry like that. Now, there were times later when the kids grew up, she could go with him 
and things like that. But that's not easy. That's not easy at all. Um, just recently, uh, a pastor here in North Carolina shared a very uh, powerful testimony. He was just released from prison. He was in prison for two years in Turkey. And uh, you know, has a wife and children. But can you imagine that you are in prison and you can't see your wife, you know, they're, they're here in the States and you're separated by thousands and thousands of miles. And they gave him three lifetime sentences. They wanted him locked up forever because of his faith in, in Jesus Christ. There's great persecution against, against the Christians in Turkey. Uh, there's like a new wave of, of persecution going on. And it looked like it was hopeless that he would never, ever get out. And so he talked about what that was like to lay in a prison thinking, I'll never be able to see my wife again. Lord, I've served you and I've given my heart to travel and to preach and minister to people that don't, that don't know you. And now look where it got me. But, you know, he had to work through all of that not just leaving his wife to do these trips and his children to do these trips. Now his ministry is supporting him and provision is coming. So the wife and kids are okay, but there's still the separation. And then you throw in on top of that. Now you're put in prison with a sentence that says, you'll never see them again. You'll die in prison. Well, thank God for president Trump who has really gone to bat for many of the imprisoned ministers around the world who are only imprisoned simply because they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for many of the Americans who, were, who have been locked up, he's done a lot to get many of them free. But, you know, you could think, well, I gave that up. You know, what's in this for me? So he, he worked through all of that agony and stuff like that and just got to a point where he got re-strengthened in the Lord and tr got his hope and trust back in the Lord. And the next thing you know, God's got him out. Praise God. But that's not easy. Separate it for over for two years from your family. That's very, very tough. Most people would say, hey, Lord, if there's any element of it like that in it, count me out. I don't want anything to do with it. And so the ladder closes up and you live a normal life and uh, God doesn't bother you. Mm, 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 mm. But you never got up the ladder. How about this fellow? I, I read this book. This is a book you need to have in your library. Uh, God's double agent, Bob Fu. Okay, so get rid of all your National Geographic magazines and uh, throw all of the uh, all, all the junk out uh, and get some good stuff, okay? Uh, here's a good book for your library. Uh, this is a man that knows what it means to leave that which means the most to you and to be on the run and to be chased by the government simply for the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Along with this book, you may, you may want to order uh, a good companion book to it called The Heavenly Man. Okay, Those two books give you a little taste of what it's like to love your country, but to be in a country where they find out that you're a Christian and such hatred is released against you that they hunt you and they want to capture you, persecute you, torture you, and, uh, and of course, separate you from your, from your wife. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I don't want anything to do with it if it has anything to do with stuff like that. Well, while I believe as Christians, we are not appointed to go through the great tribulation. That doesn't mean that while we live here on this earth that you're going to escape all persecution. Persecution, uh, even if it uh, includes things that would be very uh, difficult to go through, is nothing compared to the tribulation where wrath is poured upon the wicked. That's not for us, but that's payback. God's going to pay them all back. All of the uh, people that re rejected the Lord and have done these awful things, the tribulation period will, will be when the wrath of God is poured upon them. And then, of course, even when that concludes, all the wicked are thrown into uh, hell, and then hell and all the evil people in it are eventually all thrown into the lake of fire. And that will last for all eternity. Mm -mm. So my friends, I just say, uh, you know, let the Lord 
help you when you have a vision, when you have a great promise from the Lord like Jacob did, um, keep moving forward in your faith. Just uh, honor that moment, honor those sacred mountaintop uh, type experiences, but allow the Lord to keep molding you and conforming you so that you get to where he wants you to arrive at. Praise the Lord. So we have these areas of uh, of surrender, whether it's house or brothers or sisters, father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. The Lord goes on to say, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Mm-mm. Oh yes, not just in heaven, but now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first in other words, many who appear to be doing well and get the applause of the world and uh, you know a- applause of the popular church or the Hollywood type church, uh, they get all the applause and things like that. But really, when it's all going to be said and done, and the Apostle Paul said, "Don't judge anything before it's time," because history can be extremely inaccurate, and history doesn't have all the information. There's a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes that nobody knew about, but God. Okay, and so uh, watch what it, watch what will happen because Jesus said, "Many who are first will be last, and the last first. Well, Pastor Stephen, I I'm doing really good on the ladder, but um, doesn't seem like some other things are moving. Don't worry, don't worry about that. Don't focus on that. You just keep getting up that ladder. Mm-mm, keep walking with the Lord, and you're going to see also the hundredfold in your life. You're going to have that. You're going to have." Uh, the things that make you happy. You're going to have the things that are not just needs, but also even desires manifest in your life. But it all sinks with going up that ladder. And as you go up that ladder, because angels are ascending and descending on that ladder, you're going to be receiving a lot of revelation where you do things that, that fit your calling, that make sense. And you, you're not trying to do things that God didn't call you to do. You're very much on task. You're very much on assignment because it's like the dew that would come down from the Mount Hermon, and that dew settles. It talks about that in the Psalms. That dew is revelation knowledge. It's knowing what to do. It's that freshness, that moisture that comes from having walked with the Lord. And as you go up that ladder and those angels are around you, you have supernatural encounters and your life is not a carbon copy. Uh, You may be influenced by others in a sense where, yes, you see inspiration, that's something that inspires you, but you walk it out and you apply it and you put your color and your spin and your uniqueness to it. And why? You're you're on that ladder and you're up there and you're you're not just... uh, how can I say, plagiarizing what somebody else has done. You don't need to. You have your own unique encounter. You have your own unique uh, moments with the Lord. And so you're busy. You're busy uh, just with what you have. Praise the Lord. And what you have is certainly good. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Praise God. My friends, this journey is very, very important. And as you go through this journey, uh, I want to give you just one more, one more nugget today. This is found in Psalm 45. Let me just turn over there just for a moment. You will encounter this very importantly on the rungs of the ladder as you ascend. And this is something that was big for the Lord. And it also affects the anointing upon your life And it will also affect the amount of revelation knowledge that you receive. And this is Psalm 45. And this would be verse 6 and 7. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now, verse 7. You love righteousness. Now, this is referring to Jesus, a messianic prophecy regarding the coming Messiah. Now, he has already come. We know that that was the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, it says about him, it says, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. And you have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring you into that same type of mindset 
and heart attitude that was in the Lord. See, here's the thing. There are many of God's people, they hate the consequences of wickedness. Oh, I, I didn't know if I did that, it was going to turn into a big mess, but I sure enjoy doing it. Well, that, see, that's not right. Uh, you have to actually hate the wickedness. Oh, yes, we all would hate the consequences of wickedness and the bad results of what that would bring. But we actually have to allow God to bring us to a point where even the wickedness itself, we hate it. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, there's pleasure in it. Well, yes, of course, that's, that's why there's a, a temptation attached to it. But we have to allow God to do a work in us where it appears to us as wickedness, and it's, it's a turnoff. It's a revolting thing. Anything having to do with wickedness. Mm -mm. You love righteousness. So we have to love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you. Okay, so the anointing is in relation, it's in connection to your loving righteousness and your hating wickedness. Mm -mm -mm. And that is a big key to going up that ladder. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. God's doing a work. God's doing a work. I really believe to go up the ladder, it's more than just prayer. Yes, you need to pray. But along with going up that ladder, you're going to have to have these other areas of your life developed, and the Lord will help you. Uh, Jacob, he had a major, major character flaw. And, you know, you, you see some things that could run down the family line. And you see that with Abraham lying about his wife. You see it with Isaac, the same, very same thing. And then you see Jacob inheriting things that can be generational. But God will help you. Of course, you inherit the good as well. But God will help you with anything that maybe a previous generation didn't conquer. Hallelujah. You will be that one that breaks free and goes up that ladder. Hallelujah. And you become the person that God wants you to be. And trust me, trust me, when you get this right, the other stuff, it just works out. Hallelujah. The other things that you would desire, God knows that. He, he knows what your deepest desires are. He will begin to merge those into your life. So be open, be willing, be obedient, and when you're obedient, be obedient quickly. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I don't work on a yes, sir basis with the Lord. It's more of a friendship. But if the Lord ever said something to do, in a sense, you want to obey like, yes, sir, I'm on it. Praise God. And of course, it wouldn't hurt at all to say, yes, sir, in the sense of respect and honor. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God's working. God's working. He's going to get you to where he wants you to be. Um, but climbing a ladder, yeah, it's, uh, it, it takes your effort. It certainly does. It takes your focus. It takes your focus, but it's worth it. Um, it's not easy to move out of the flesh and get into the spirit and maintain that. Um, it, it takes a lot of focus, praise the Lord, especially with the busy lives that we all live. So you really have to um, put the Lord first and just keep climbing. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm just waiting on the Holy Spirit for a moment as God is moving. Uh, you're in a moment where revelation, knowledge of knowing what to do, uh, and doing things uniquely your way. It's kind, it's kind of like moving right now. It's moving. You're catching ideas and things like that. So Lord, we just give you praise. I pray for those that are watching today that as they go up that ladder, they become more and more like Jesus. And they know it. They, they know that they're behaving differently. The thing that used to conquer them is not conquering them anymore. They're conquering it. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise. Uh, 
Lord, we thank you that the pressure situations bring now a different reaction than perhaps what would have oozed out a decade ago. Lord, we just bless you. You're working, you're working, you're working, and we give you all the glory. Father, you really are preparing us for heaven. Yes, yes, yes. But Father, you're preparing us for this great move of your spirit that is coming. Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Many, many, oh God, when the move starts, will suddenly try to get it all together. <laughs> but Lord, they'll be playing catch up. And catch up is uh, late. Showing up late is better than never showing up at all. But Lord, the, the really thick blessing is for those that are on that initial wave. So Father, I thank you. You're working. Um, I would even use that word desperately in the lives of your people to get them ready because it really is going to be that good. And we, we're going to see it. So Father, we thank you. We trust you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. If you're watching today, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your destiny remains concealed and locked. You may know some things, but the beautiful plan that God has for you, that he mapped out before you were ever born, it can only be unveiled and unlocked through having Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you would like to get your life right with God right now, then pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus... I am a sinner separated from you because of my sins. But Jesus, you died for me on the cross at Calvary to redeem me from spiritual death and all of my sin. Jesus, I give my heart to you right now. Save me, Jesus. Wash my sin away. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I belong to you now. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. And he has heard your prayer. Your sins are washed away. If you're a backslidden Christian, it's a dangerous place to be out there. You wouldn't want to die in your sins having known the Lord, then turned away from him and perish. No, get right, get right right now with the Lord. If that's you, backslidden Christian, pray this after me. Jesus, I'm sorry I walked away from you. I repent of my sin and I leave it. And I return to you now. Jesus, give me a fresh start. Wash my sins away. Thank you. Restore me now unto you. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Woo, praise the Lord. You're going up the ladder. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion together today. Praise the Lord. If you're too busy to take communion, you're too busy. Something's not right. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We set it apart as holy through this prayer. And as we receive it, we are now receiving the flesh and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Father, thank you for his body. Lord, put a love for us, uh, put a love in us for righteousness and a, and a real hatred for wickedness. Uh, just a hatred for it. Thank you, O oh God. And as we receive, Father, the flesh of Jesus, we thank you that you are doing that very thing. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Back in the Jesus revival of the 1960s and also of the 1970s, when the teaching movement broke forth, um, while we had what was called the charismatic movement or the moving of the Spirit, and literally millions were swept in, into the kingdom, not only in America, but around the world, because there was resistance among many about this move of the Spirit, we didn't get the full thrust of that, which was supposed to have been not only the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
and salve, you know, after salvation, but also the fire of the Holy Spirit to purge and burn out these deeper issues. So while many uh, were saved and filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues and moved in, moved in the gifts of the Spirit, they never received the fire baptism of the Spirit to deal with with um, bondages and strongholds and uh, you know demonic influence that was never overcome. But that fire is falling and it's burning now. Praise God! And and this next move uh, will certainly have the fire mixed in it with uh, as well. But please, please be prepared because I do know beyond the shadow of a doubt. In certain meetings, if that meeting is open to this latter glory and that glory comes in, there will be Christians with yucky stuff that they're doing that when that glory comes in, they will scream literally and get up and run out of the building. Why? Because of things that they are tolerating and allowing in their lives. Please do not let that be you. Be a person that says, thank God the glory is here. I have prepared my heart. I have been climbing Jacob's ladder. I'm ready to meet the Lord, not just in death, in the coming of his glory, in his perusia, the coming of his presence. Praise the Lord. Oh, absolutely. I know Christians, they would, they would get up and run instantly if that glory came, that they, they could not handle it. Mm-mm. But you'll be ready. God's getting you ready. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask if there be any sins that we have committed, that they be washed away and forgiven. And we thank you that when you forgive our sins, you forget them. Lord, we sure praise you for that. Hallelujah. Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus, we thank you for its cleansing power. And we thank you that you are molding us, conforming us into the image, O God, of your dear Son. Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for visitations and supernatural experiences and great glory, great glory, great glory. We thank you that we're working with the angels and they are ministering uh, to us on all fronts. We thank you, Father God, that the great end time move of your spirit is flowing and it's going to break wide open. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the precious blood of Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for joining me today. Keep climbing that ladder. Mm -mm. Enjoy your spiritual inheritance of walking with the Lord in the heavenly realms. Till next time, be blessed, and I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.